Hello, everyone, and welcome to Picture the Scene podcast, hosted by me, Andrew. And me, Rachel. Now, please note, this is a true crime podcast, so listener caution is advised. Rachel, <laughs> it's now 2022. Does that make you feel old? It makes me feel very old, especially when you call out that it's now 2022. And does it make you feel old? And then all of a sudden it smacks me. <laughs> and yes, I can't believe we're in 22. Yeah, it's, um, you know, bring on the year ahead. It, it depresses me when I think how old I am. But <laughs> so what did you get up to, to during the hiatus over the holiday season? Oh, I had a lovely time off, spent some time with the family, spent plenty of time drinking and enjoying Christmas festivities. Um, and actually this year, probably for the first time, I was pretty organised. I'm not going to say completely organised because there's always last minute dashes. But uh, but yeah, I was pretty ahead of the ahead of the game this time, which was good. How about you? Yeah, yeah I yeah, I enjoyed myself. Ate too much and stayed up too late, but yeah, no, it's good. Um, what did you get for Christmas? I did not get a Breville toaster, <sighs> toasty maker. Sorry to upset you, even though I was in the queue. This will make you laugh, everyone laugh. So it was Christmas Eve, and I was in Curry's in the queue, um, for a last minute gift, as, as you do. Glad I didn't lie about being over prepared. And uh, there's a guy in front of me. Uh, buying a Breville toasty maker so obviously I took a photo had to document it momentous occasion and send it to Andrew I, um, I know I, I tell you what when you got that photograph at first I was like why is she sending me a picture of a random person behind the till <laughs> and I, I was just trying to think like what's this supposed to be funny or something and then I looked at it again I was like he's buying a Breville <laughs> and, brilliant and my, my life again felt complete and Listen, but, he he was very excited about his purchase. I, I do have to admit, though, my heart breaks a little bit to to hear that you didn't get a Breville. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I did pretty well. Um, out of it, got got a nice pair of boots uh, and a coat. So yeah, nice. Not bad, not bad. What about you? Did you get anything? Uh, well, I'm not a big like. I'm quite happy with what I have in life, but yeah, so I'm very hard to buy for. But my wife bought me a um, a new controller for my Xbox, and that made me happy. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's all relevant, isn't it? If that's what like you're into, what are you playing on the Xbox? What am I playing? Um, oh, see, I'm showing my age, but I've been playing the same game for about thirty years. Uh, but on different systems and uh, across civilization. So I play that and I play Football Manager and I play just anything that isn't too complex. Like all these running around shooting people that all the youngsters play. I, you know, I can't even kill anyone. I die straight away. So any, I, I tend to play anything that I can fall asleep to wake up and I'm still there able to carry on playing. That, I that, feel like you definitely, I feel like you definitely started on the PC like all them years ago. Actually, I started on the, I started playing that game on the Commodore Amiga, and then I moved to a four eight six PC. So before even Pentiums, but let's not talk about uh, computers because people be turning off in their droves. Yeah, I am just going to mention it was a sad day for BlackBerry users today, though. They officially completely shut off BlackBerry. That's like gone, 
gone forever. Yeah, I reckon it'll be it'll be similar to floppy disks where people will ask how on earth blackberries were ever around. So oh, yeah, um, RIP the blackberry. I'm shocked by that. My first ever company phone, BlackBerry, and, and then I got exposed to BlackBerry Messenger. Wow. I know, yeah. Game and that, changer. That, that poker game. Oh, do you know what? You, you're breaking my heart. No, brother. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's get on. Let's get into true crime. Yeah, although it's a crime what you keep telling me. Um, <laughs> but, but let's go on. So, um, but today I'm going to be talking about the biggest jewelry shop heist in British history. So something a little bit different. I thought I'd stay away from some murders, or maybe there might be one or two in there, but I thought I'd stay away from them if possible. But before we do get onto content, I want to do my usual begging spiel and ask all of you listening out there to make us happier. Actually, to make us happier than the feeling you get when you take a sip of your cup of tea when it's just the right temperature, not too hot and not too cold. But then that's always moments before you forget about it for half an hour, so it goes too cold anyway, but... <laughs> There's a few seconds where you're like, oh, that's nice. And then you put it down and you get, go to get it again and it's gone. Thought that was life, just really. me. Yes. So please do go and subscribe and rate us if you like us, that is, wherever you can. If you don't like us, why are you listening? Um, and you can now rate us on Spotify. We can be found on all the social medias. We're at ScenePod on Twitter and Instagram. That's at S-E-E-N-E-P-O-D. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching for Picture the Scene Podcast. Now that's out of the way with, if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like all of you listening to relax, close your eyes and picture the scene. Today we're going to take you back to the 6th of August 2009 to the world-renowned and popular upmarket shopping area of Bond Street in, in the west of London in Mayfair, if you know London. Now Bond Street is popular with tourists, locals and celebrities alike and it's not only one of the most sought after strips of retail estate in Europe, it hosts shops like Fenwick, the Jewelers Tiffany's, along with open market, auction houses like Sotheby's and Bonheim's. And for those of you who have been to London before, it links Piccadilly in the south to Oxford Street in the north. You, no. you missed some major shops there, like actual shops that people go out of their way to go to, like even just to look in the windows. Where, where was Chanel, Gucci, Louis Vuitton? Come on. You know, I did learn a few names over the holiday on, on Boxing Day or Stevens Day or um, or the 26th of December. I, I let my wife go out and I told her she could go buy herself a handbag. And, and she came back with uh, some new names that I'd learned and an empty <laughs> bank balance of mine. She came back with a... Two coach handbags and a K spade, is it handbag? Oh, nice. Yeah, so three handbags in one day. Yeah. And obviously. Last time you gave her your card. Uh, yeah, now I've just got extra handbags, one for every day of the year. <laughs> so, anyway, but on this day, sorry, Dickie, on this day, uh, the 6th of August 2009, it was getting towards late afternoon, 4 40 pm to be exact, on a Thursday. It was a beautiful day, actually. There was no real wind, no rain. And at the time, the temperature was about 25 degrees Celsius or 77 degrees Fahrenheit. So it was a beautiful shopping day. And I want to focus in on a particular shop on Bond Street. And that shop is Graf. Now, before I go into what happened, let me give you some context on the type of shop Graf is. 
Yes, I, find I don't, think I've, don't think I've heard of Graph. Well, I don't mean to be offensive, Rachel, but it's it's probably above. Don't get paid enough. Over our pay grade, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll ever hear of it. Uh, no. In real life, unless you're secretly rich, then obviously you're a wonderful no. person. Um, so, uh, Graph is it's a fine jeweler that designs, manufactures, and sells high-end jewelry. It was the first jewelers to be awarded the Queen's Award for Industry and Export, now known as the Queen's Award for Enterprise, and it's gone on to win that award for a favour four times. Mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned that award because it is classified by those that care to be considered the highest accolade that a British company can receive and is <laughs> only awarded on the advice of the current Prime Minister following examinations of each application by a committee of leading representatives of industry and commerce. Can I, can I just say, like, a jewellery company could easily sway a Prime Minister's vote, though, by, I mean, obviously, corruption, but, um, you know, discounts, free gifts. Not not entirely confident that I trust the Prime Minister in making that decision if it's the Queen's Award. Like, send it to um, Queen Elizabeth herself. Come on. Yeah, that's true. She may not be amused, but um, so you know, if you fancy spending six or seven figures on an item of jewelry, then that's the type of place you'd go to. However, mm. you know, Rachel, if you had sense and fancied a new Breville, you'd possibly not go to that. <laughs> you could buy quite a few Brevels, yeah, for it, six it, or seven figure some. It, it feels to me like they're missing a trick. Maybe they could make like a diamond encrusted one that the diamonds left patterned oh. in your bread. Imagine that extra crunchy bits, or, 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 like just cover the toasty in diamonds and have it as a centerpiece in your kitchen, like the toasty maker. Sorry, not the actual toasty because that gonna... would be painful on your teeth. Yeah, and the dog would probably eat it. But yeah, no, you can do that. Yeah, I'll I'll send them, I'll send them an email when we finish. So please do. Uh, back to that day, the sixth of October, two thousand and nine. Uh, two men dressed smartly in suits, looking like they have money to burn, pull up in a taxi to the upmarket jewellers. These type of shops, they're not the ones you can just walk into, however. They have locked doors and usually one or more security staff on the door. On this occasion, the security guard, actually there was three of them, looked him up and down, and while one of them was wearing gloves, he was used to the wealthy customers the shop had being eccentric, so it didn't raise any alarm. And he let them in via an airlocked security chamber. So it gives you an idea of the type of security that she had in the store. Now, once they were in, the manager of the shop, or for some reason, and I couldn't figure out why, they actually call it a salon, but it, but you can't <laughs> get your hair done. So um, and it, it feels really odd calling it that. So I'm just going to call it a shop. Um, a shop. They, they can. They've gone. It, they've gone through all that pain of like getting the most posh clientele they can possibly, like muster up, and you're like, yeah, it's a shop. Yeah. Well, the manager of that shop, uh, who was a Martin Leggett, greeted them warmly, hoping, probably hoping, they had some potential expensive sales to make to them. Now, I know you're probably thinking, Rachel. That surely, or someone out there is thinking, surely if one of them was wearing gloves on a warm day in August, that would raise alarm bells to the security. But in, a def- in their defence, neither of them, neither of the two men 
try to disguise their faces. So that helped stop any worries the security staff had. And also Martin, the shop owner, or shop manager, sorry, he actually was quoted as saying afterwards that he was used to celebrities going in the shop with big sunglasses or wigs or things like that so they didn't get spotted. So a pair of gloves was nothing in, in comparison. Yeah, and I also think nowadays in Rona world, you just don't question what people are wearing or doing <laughs> in general because I, I appreciate this happened in 20, 2009, um, obviously pre-Rona, but I it I didn't even flinch when you said that he was wearing gloves because I think we just now see it everywhere. But yeah, probably in 2009, in the middle of August, I'd have been like, what the flip? Exactly. And I do love the fact that you can be on such close terms with a global pandemic that you've given it a nickname. What have I called it? Rona? Yes. <laughs> I'm just tired of it now. I just, I don't even want to give it its full, full title. You can call it Roy then. But um, <laughs> as soon as Martin had greeted them, the two men proceeded to pull out a gun, which is rather rude. Uh, both of them pulled out a gun and they forced Martin to the floor. Uh, they forced him to get into a spread eagle position. Now imagine you're making a snow angel, but the opposite <laughs> way around, uh, face down on the floor. How now, to how to make a um a gun confrontation not serious? Get down in the snow angel, but the other way around on the floor, please. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now another employee from the shop, a Petra Enar who was a shop assistant, was forced to empty the shop's cabinets with a gun press against her, telling her that they'd kill her if he didn't comply, and telling her to put the contents into her bag. Now, Petra was later quoted as saying she was terrified, and she said this, I was thinking I was going to be shot, that I was going to be killed. Now, this took uh, a matter of a minute or two maximum. Actually, they was in and out of the shop in two minutes. That's how quickly they were. And they took 43 items in total, including earrings, necklaces, and watches, worth a total of £40 million. Pounds. So, so that's how rich this company is. They've only got 43 items in their shop, and they can still afford to sell on Bond Street. That's insane. I know, I know. It's boggles your mind and mm. one of the items alone was a diamond necklace that cost 3.5 million pounds imagine that that'd be no. like you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to go out with it would you but they took anyway back to the story they took petra the shop assistant they took her hostage when they left the shop in order oh, to God. help them escape i know that must be terrifying and before i continue with what happened next however I want to ask, who were these people? And why did they think they could brazenly get away with no masks? You're up in a shop that was covered in CCTV, in the area of London that had CCTV everywhere. Even in 2009, in I know. Country, everywhere had CCTV cameras. Now, I know before we've talked about stupid criminals, so you think maybe they were mm. just stupid, but I don't think that's the case this time. Because I want to answer that question for you. Um, but in order to answer the question, I want to take you back a few hours in the day. And that day of six, the 6th of August 2009. And I want, want to introduce you to three men 
One of them is a 25-year-old called Aman Kassai, who would turn out to be the mastermind behind all of this. And the other is, now are you waiting on his name, Rachel? It makes Baby Roy look like a distant memory. <laughs> now I want to introduce you to the second man who helped plan to rob the store, a man's right-hand man, as he would later be described in court, and his name was Thomas Thomas. That, that's oh that's Thomas God. Thomas, Rachel. <laughs> like you'd think if your surname was Thomas, and it's a perfectly that's just normal, me. It's a perfectly normal surname to have. It's not like it's unusual. What would you call your son? Oh, you're in the maternity ward. Oh, doesn't he look beautiful? Yeah, what are we gonna call him? Oh, I don't know. What about uh, Thomas? Like Thomas Thomas. They must his parents must have been high. I, I there was there was a kid I went to school with and his surname was Jackson and his parents called him Michael. I just think that's me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should not you know, even like yeah. <laughs> it's it's just mean though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is mean. It's very mean. If I had a, you know what? If I have a son, whatever I'm going to call him, I'm going to just put like three A's at the start of it, so they're always first in class. <laughs> AAA Peter or something like that. It just, you know, they'll, oh, they'll thank me at a later date that they never have to wait for other people to be called. You, you, you think that they thank you, Andrew, but the years of abuse and you know, like bullying, then they're definitely not going to pass thanks to you. I'm sorry. I'm just going to throw that out there. And it is a real issue when you're naming your child to make sure that their initials don't equate to anything that could result in bullying. There's a lot. It's a minefield. There's a lot to consider when passing a name down to your child. But That's Thomas just, Thomas is just taking the piss. Exactly. I just thought Thomas Thomas's parents... They could have actually called him like Carl. Carl. Right? It could be, yeah. Imagine that because it could be like Roy. Carl with a C. So Carl with a C. It could be like Carl or uh, Nigel Thomas, and then that'd be perfect, wouldn't it? I, I know you're trying <gasps> to figure all that is out in your head there. Uh, uh, <laughs> I just worked it out, rude. For a man think- that doesn't like to swear, that was inappropriate. Well, I never swore did I. It's in your head, Rachel. You're the bad person. Now, the the third man accused of robbing the store with a man was a 26-year-old called Craig Coldwood. Wait, I'm sorry. You keep on mentioning a man, and it sounds like you're just saying a uh, man. No, that's his name, a man. <laughs> I know, I know. But now I just think, now we're moving on to the third person that robbed the store with a man. Sorry, go on. Thanks. I'm thinking about it every time I read his name now. So, a man and Craig uh, earlier that day called Graphs and they booked an appointment because you can't get in that store without an appointment. And so that, that's so they could get into the store. And after they'd done that, they drove to a professional makeup studio and they told the artist that they were about to appear in a pop video. So, they needed to be aged. They, oh. they, yeah, they arrived at 11 a.m that Thursday, and told the staff, make us look 30 years older. We want to look like old men. Now, the studio, they told the two men that it would take longer than five hours that they had to do that, so they applied liquid latex to them, makeup, Mm. scalp masks, along with wigs to complete the disguise. Now, 
When the makeup artist had completed their tasks on both men, a man was quoted as turning. <laughs> I can't say that. But straight your face now. A man was quoted as turning around to Craig after looking in the mirror and declaring that his own mother wouldn't even recognise him now. And with his colleague Craig saying this in response, that's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? Now, I'm going to pop up the photograph of them on our social media so them in disguise yeah. and not in disguise. So you can judge for yourself if, if it was effective. Yeah, definitely. Um, that would be great. So so then they took a black cab taxi to Graff's. Now, so let's get back to the robbery. Once outside the shop, they did fire one of the guns for the first time, but it wouldn't be the last. They fired a gun into the ground in order to scare people away from chasing them as they ditched Petra they handed the jewels over to someone on a motorbike and jumped into a blue BMW car and made their escape. Now the blue BMW car, they made its way to Dover Street but crashed into a black taxi cab as they tried to make their escape. Now they left the BMW, and, but they were subsequently, and I don't think they planned for this, they were subsequently chased not only by a black cab driver, but also several drinkers from a nearby pub called <laughs> Ted. That just sounds like typical London. Get him, get them. But, uh, <laughs> so, so this is this is when one of the robbers pulled out his gun and fired again. This shows that they had no fear of discharging the weapons, but luckily no one was hurt. He fired into the ground again to stop the mob of people chasing them, and it worked. I mean, they, they, yeah, they seem to be at least c- compassionate towards not hurting people what 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 do they say on the same red podcast they say that robbery ro- ro- robberies or heists of victimless crimes or something like that and yes. i guess in this particular situation they could have like shot people couldn't they they could have shot petra they could have shot the black cab driver that they crashed into they could have stolen his cab um but they're they're definitely a little nicer than your average gun wielding robbers. Yeah. I'd say. Probably. So they then got into a silver Mercedes, which they left it there in advance. And they turned, they turned left off Dover Street into Hay Hill, then entered Berkeley Square. Now, the last of that was seen of them was getting into another car, a blue VW Sharon. And they ditched the silver Mercedes on Farm Street when they got into the blue VW Sharon. Now, it was unknown where they went after that. Now, the biker, remember they handed the jewels over to a biker? Mm-hmm. So, very professional. The biker who had the jewels, the police tracked him on CCTV around London. So, he was actually forced to abandon his Go Suzuki bike when it broke down just a short distance away in Baker's. No. I know you've got to be unlucky, haven't you? How unlucky is this? But So, the police, they did try to track him with CCTV, but they lost track of him when he entered Green Park, which is... A very short distance from Buckingham Palace. So it's actually that, you know, the park between the subway station and, um, yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, Taking a nice couple of walks through Green Park. Yeah, I quite like it myself as well. But so the question I have to ask is, how did we know who the robbers were? And how did they get caught if they wore makeup to disguise their faces? And they got I feel away. Like, I feel like they've definitely done something stupid. Yeah, well... I'm going to answer that question then. So when a man... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Sorry. It's Rachel's fault. When a man and his colleague crash into the black taxi, they left behind a couple of things in haste, because obviously 
I think they were planning to stop an Astrid anyway, but not in an accident. The first off was a sawn-off shotgun and ammo, which is it's a scary thought that they had that ready to use it if they wanted to. And the second being a mobile phone that had fallen out of a man's pocket in the accident, and it actually got wedged between the seat and the handbrake. Now, the phone was a burner phone, so it was untraceable. And all the numbers on the phone were anonymous. None of them had names associated with them. But because there was a number of phones on, phone numbers on there, they could track their numbers and make a pattern of where the people were and when, when the phone calls oh happened. God. So the police actually managed to track and identify the people involved in the robbery. So that's pretty unlucky. Now, a man from Twickenham in London, he was jailed for 23 years in total, which is a long time. 16 years for conspiracy to rob, five years for possessing a firearm, and a fairer two years for kidnap. Do you know uh, Do you know what? They give massive sentences for, um, like, theft and um, money laundering when it's involving like money don't they like I know well I don't know murderers but I know of murderers that have received lesser sentences for taking a life and for planning to take a life and yet this guy who stole jewelry which is inappropriate obviously and he obviously threatened with a gun which wasn't nice but he gets 23 years that just feels a bit yeah well you can't really blame the judge because um, it's sentencing guidelines. Like, I know you see mm. online lots of angry people. Yeah. You know, there's lots of keyboard warriors online now, and they go, oh, why did he get this, or why did he get that? But, you know, they have to go within a guideline. And so, so yeah, I, I, I don't mean to not sound controversial, but when they no, say... No, it makes sense, though. So a man actually, the reason he got 20, yeah, I told you, he got 16 years for conspiracy to rob, mm. five years for possessing a firearm, and two years for kidnap. Yes, but Craig, he was actually Craig Calderwood. He was originally found, he wasn't originally found guilty or not guilty at his first trial. The jurors couldn't make a decision, so there was a mistrial. And he must have thought, wow, I've got away with this. But the police being the police, subsequently took him straight back to court again and this time he was found guilty and he was given 16 years uh, for conspiracy to rob and a favor five years of possession of a firearm so it was the same sentence 16 years that a man got and five years for the firearm but obviously a man was the one who grabbed petra and took her out into the street which is why he got an extra two years on the top of them yeah now 10 men in total were arrested in relation to this robbery but only five were convicted so I'm not going to mention the people who weren't convicted. They either was innocent or lucky, one of the two. Now, along with a man and Craig, Thomas Thomas, which <laughs> which is... Got to say I his thought, full name. What I thought we'd be laughing at, but a man's beating into it. Um, <laughs> Thomas Thomas, his right-hand man, along with a man's right-hand man. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, along with Clinton Mogg and uh, Solomon Bain. They were all sentenced 16 years in total with the charge of conspiracy to rob. So so you're talking about sentencing, the fact that all five of them got 16 years for conspiracy to rob, which is actually quite unusual 
that they get mm-hmm. a, the identical sentence. So you got to remember that Craig got that um, on a second try round. So it's likely not to be the same judge that a man got. That shows that what probably happened is they taught him a lesson and they gave him the maximum possible, which I'm guessing is 16 years. But if I'm wrong, listeners, reach out and let me know. The biker, however, was never identified and none of the stolen jewels were ever found. So, so, So the one person... Fair enough, he was running away with them, but he wasn't involved in the heist. He wasn't, he didn't get a gun out and threaten anyone. He didn't put disguise on. He was, he was just there on a bike waiting to take the jewels and he got away. Yep. That's amazing. Well, he may be one of the five people that they arrested. He just couldn't have any evidence. Who knows? Nah. Oh, fa- yeah, fair enough. I did try and do some maths here. It was widely figured that when there's a big professional robbery like this of jewellery, the, the robbers only ever get 10% of the true value of the jewels. After you take away, like, fencing costs and stuff like that. So if you think about it, that would be £4 million because the jewels were worth £40 million. Now, 10 men charged, but only five convicted. So let's assume that... There were five people involved along with the biker because we knew he existed. So that's six people. Four million divided by six is two thirds of a million each. Assuming that it was split equally. Now, again, assuming that they all got out with no hassle, that means that the three men who got 16 years, they likely served about eight years. And the man and Craig, about 10 and a half years each. So, so that's what, 60 to 80 grand a year compensation for being in prison, which is tax free. Because um, now I don't think they would have wanted to get arrested, but with no reports of a proceeds of crime order being put against them, they wouldn't be too upset with that, I don't think. Um, obviously, they'd want the freedom, but if they're coming out with a, a lump sum at the end of it, mm. I'm not condoning what they did, but it's interesting no. to work that out when you're saying they've got a huge sentence. But that so, sometimes that's what they do, isn't it? Like, if, you, if you're going to participate in um art robbery or jewelry and things like that they will calculate the value of what they're stealing and uh, even money launderers as well if they can keep a sec um um part of their money in an offshore jurisdiction basically well away from where people can find it they'll calculate how much it'll cost to go to prison and they'll weigh out that benefit and they'll do the time if they have to. Yeah, they will. Nowadays, though, they have proceeds of crime orders, which is what I mentioned. And what that is, is basically if you served, let's say you get a 10-year sentence, so you serve five, hmm. uh, they'll put a proceeds of crime order. So they'll, they'll figure out how much you've either made of crime, so in this case stolen, and they'll say that's how much you have to pay back. Now, if you don't pay it back, you just go back to prison. You can't like default and go and like say go bankrupt or something. You either pay it back or you just get arrested again and go back to prison. So, but how do you how do you say for instance you're claiming that that money's gone? Like for instance, say this jewelry was robbed by the biker, ironically, and and no one ever got the benefit of it. How how do these men then raise the money to repay? I don't know. 
They pay like twenty pound a month for the next eighty <laughs> years. Yeah, five a month. I absolutely no idea, Rachel. But so I see what you say. I don't think it says. Um, I don't think it's as clear as that nowadays because of the proceeds of crime. Or is it in the UK anyway? It might be different abroad. Mm. But so let's get back to the jewels, however, and yeah. the shop. Now, Graffs, they were very unlucky in more than one way when it came to this robbery. To begin with, they had to pay a hundred thousand pound excess to the insurance company. That's some excess, and they just to be able to claim the insurance. And they only got back just under thirty million pounds from them because <gasps> the, the policy made them liable for ten million pounds of the cost. Oh my the god, items. that's so, a bad insurance policy. I know. So, so the fact that the, it never got found that the losers in this is is a is a jewelry shop. Now the owned Graf is named after the owner. I can't remember his first name, but his surname name is Graf. And he's actually become a billionaire since he had all his shops and whatnot. So, I was gonna know. say, I yeah. bet he was. I bet whoever had to pay that bill was fucking rich in the first place. Yeah, to have such an extortionate jewelry store. Well, he's got he's got a chain of them over the oh um, my God. over the world in all the places we'd expect, like of Paris, course. New York, and uh, and I don't feel sorry for him anymore. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is not only was the biggest heist for a jewelry shop in British history, at least at the time. Can you guess which shop held the old record prior to this robbery? No. Um, Tiffany's. No, it was it was the same shop. <gasps> Six years earlier, it had been robbed of twenty-three million pounds of jewels oh by the notorious European criminal gang, the Pink Panthers. So in the space of six years, they lost sixty-three million pounds of jewels. And actually, I'm not putting this in the script, so I'm saying this sadly. But they, they, he had another shop in Sloan Street uh, in London, which is a smaller shop. And two men linked with the New York Mafia stole two and a half million pounds of jewels in between these two robberies no. with a hand grenade. So <laughs> obviously the their targets i'm just gonna throw it out there was this guy putting something on his instagram or something similar saying no one can rob me (laughs) i dare you i know it's uh it's odd but a final insert i know you love your facts rachel and a final interesting fact for you this robbery it was the second biggest robbery at the time of anything in the uk second only to the the fifty-three million pound robbery at the Securitas Depot three years prior to this robbery in two thousand and six. But there's a link between this robbery and the biggest one uh, three years earlier. And can you guess what that link is? Same man. No, it's not the same man. It was the same makeup studio. The same makeup studio had been due no. years earlier. Oh my god! By, I know by the robbers of the Security Cast Depot wanting the same work done. So I, literally, I'm just going <laughs> yeah. to throw it out there, right? A man was listening to podcasts or watching Crime Watch or reading books, and he saw these two crimes and then merged them together. <laughs> I know you, you'd 
it, it, I know it's um he was a small time drug dealer before this, so it's yeah. possible. It's possible. Who knows? But you've got to feel unlucky for the well actually the makeup studio, they charge four hundred and fifty pounds each for doing what they did, so you know, I guess they make some money, but I mean, you'll get you've I suppose looking at it with a glass half full perspective, you've done a good fucking job. Sorry about my swearing, but you have convinced the bodyguards on the door that you're legit, and then no CCTV has allowed the police to identify the men. They've had to rely on a burner phone, which could have quite easily not been left. So, like, I personally, if I was casting and needed some makeup artists, I'd probably be calling that studio. You know, I think you might be right because I was thinking about this and I was thinking, I was originally thinking the opposite, thinking they were terrible because they, when they put the description out on the people, they did release uh, images from the CCTV, but they described them as men in their 30s. And I thought, well, they've not done too good a job of aging them. But I guess they've aged them for about 10 years. And, and you're right, they didn't get caught with the CCTV. No. So they obviously did a good job. So you've changed my mind there. Well, there you go. No, but I I do think that like things like that sometimes have a a really random way of working in 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 a positive way. Not obviously not for Graf and not for the men that got convicted, but actually probably the makeup studio is the, the place that came out on top with all of this because it's all press is good press, isn't it? Quite possibly. Yeah. Although the person who did the makeup actually until they got the the people got caught. A man and Thomas Thomas. Um, they actually had to go into protective custody <gasps> because the police didn't know who it was, and they knew it was a um, professional gang. So, oh, so they thought they might get a hit out on them. Yeah. Fucking hell! You don't go into the life of a makeup artist, do you? Thinking that you're going to be involved in like some criminal court case? No, but they actually they probably had that previous time in the head because what happened was when the police released the CCTV the makeup studio phoned the police up and said hang on I think we did that so that's how <laughs> but the, but even they, a man and that's Tom, pretty brave yeah a man and Craig was clever though because I'm going off script here they were clever because they when they went to the makeup studio they parked just out of view of CCTV and so they never got caught on CCTV before the makeup was put on. Bravo. So again, they'd obviously planned all of that. And what do you think of this, MHO? I, I picked it because it felt like a bit of a Hollywood storyline to me, a bit like Ocean's Eleven uh, with all the makeup and whatnot. So I thought I'd I'd stay away from murder this time around and include it. Did you enjoy it? I actually really enjoyed that. I think that it is nice to do something a little bit different. There's no death. It's obviously the first week of January of a new year. I'm glad that I will go to sleep tonight, not worried about what's going on out in the big wide world with some scary murderers. Exactly. So for one last time, I'd like you to relax, close your eyes and picture the scene. I want you to picture that you're in a maternity ward and it's the happiest day of your life. And you turn to the, your partner or your loved one who is with you 
and you proudly proclaim that you love your son for the rest of your life, and then you get asked a question that will define your son's future, what are you going to call him? Now I want you to give that some careful thought. So thank you, Rachel, and thank you everyone for listening. We do say it every time, and we'll continue to say it, but please do give us your feedback. It's all welcome, as is that subscription, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So goodbye and God bless. And before we sign off, Happy New Year as well. Forgot to say at the start of the episode. Of course, Happy New Year, everyone. Stay stay happy. Go and buy a beautiful machine. (laughs) 